Hey church, good to see you, but I can't see you. I wish I could say that, but it's good to know that you're out there. Uh, I've got to get used to some cameras. I'm starting to look over there, but I need to look over here. We've got a new camera in place, so hopefully it'll be helpful to you. Uh, before I even get started this morning, I just want to say thank you for praying for my mom and dad. I really appreciate that. It means more than you will ever know. Uh, but this morning we've got Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24 that Tedra just read. And I wore this shirt this morning on purpose. It's not, you know, like, what is Joe doing? There's a purpose behind this shirt that I wore because I've had this shirt since high school. This shirt is 25 years old and my closet is full of old clothes like this. And it's kind of funny because a lot of them, uh, I mean, the style like back in the day was really baggy. And so a lot of my clothes that are hanging in my closet are extra larges. And so they swallow me whole because that was the style then. But I don't have the money to like replace them all. So I still have them and I still wear them. Thankfully, this one has drawn up a ton over the years. And so it actually fits. But I wanted to wear this old shirt today because to, to kind of make a, an, a point of you know, imagine that someone were to give me $1,000 to do a, a wardrobe-like deal, right? Ladies, you might love to have something like that. But imagine that were to happen to... Let's just imagine that happens to you. Someone gives you $1,000 and you can go get all new clothes, right? And so you go and you go and you do that and you get all new clothes and you get all this, you know, stretchy fabric stuff that they have today that they didn't have back in the day and it's just great, better, you know, comfort, better quality, all this, you get all these new clothes. You would be a fool to not wear those. Like not to not you'd be a fool to take not like to, to not take advantage of that offer that someone makes, but then you would be like doubly a fool if you went and got all those and you brought them home and then you don't wear them. Instead, you go back to your old jankety clothes that have been hanging in your closet and don't fit you at all anymore. You would be a fool. And this is kind of the point that Paul is making as we come to Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 24. He's saying, hey, Christian, stop living as if you are the old person, as if you are still clothed as the old person outside of Christ. Instead, live as someone who's clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Live out the new self. Don't live in the old self. Live out the new self. See, here's the, if you are a Christian, here, here's the gospel. On the cross, Jesus wore your sins. And he gave you, he clothed you, he robed you with his righteousness. That's what has happened on the cross. And so if you are a Christian, if you have trusted in Jesus by faith, there is a, there is a point in time where positionally you went from being not a Christian to being a Christian. And you may not can like pinpoint that time in your life. I can't pinpoint it in my life. But I know it happened in, within a span of time. But there is a point in time where you went from being positionally not a Christian to a Christian. Right? So you went from a point in time where you were the old man. And then you became a new man. And so there is a once upon a time time when that has happened. You were this. Now you are this. You were in you know, your sins. You were a slave to sin. You were alienated from God. You were outside of Christ. 
And now you are in Christ. There's a point in time where that has happened. The old man died and a new man came into living, raised to walk in the newness of life. As we say when we baptize someone, that's what that is uh, picturing. Dead to the old person, raised to walk in the newness of life. You are a new person. And so positionally, if you are a Christian, that has happened. And now in Ephesians 4, it's saying, okay, it's happened. Now live it out. Live like it. And so the outline this morning, if you went onto Facebook and printed out the, the, the outline, the sermon guide that we gave you, and if, if you didn't do that, you can hop on and do that right now. But the outline this morning is really simple. Two points. Number one, don't go back to your old clothes. Don't do what I did this morning. Don't go back to your old clothes, your old self. Instead, number two, continuously put on your new clothes, the new self. And it's a continuous thing. Yes, there's a point in time where it happened. But now, practically, we need to appropriate that daily. And so don't go back to your old clothes, your old self. That's number one. Number two, continuously put on your new clothes, the new self. And to help call us to this, Paul first reminds us of what the old self looked like. Of who we once were. Like if you are a Christian, what we are about to read is who you once were. Now if you're not a Christian, this is who you are. And I'm not trying, and it's hard to read. And I'm not trying to, to, you know, this isn't me, this is the Bible. But if you're not in Christ. This is just who you are. But if you will trust in Christ, well, then suddenly, in a moment, this will become your old self. And you will be made new. Not just like self improved, but born again, brand new. Old person dead, raised to walk in the newness of life. And so let's look at this. Here's what the old you, if you're a Christian, looks like. Look at verse 17 with me. Now this I say and testify in the Lord. Like that is a specific phrase. This is urgent. Paul's getting serious. He's like, I mean, in some translations, we'll even have like an intensity to this. Very, you know, intense. I, I am calling you. I'm urging you in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. And in using Gentiles here, he's not, he's not using it in the ethnic sense as he has in the past. Here he's just like, if you aren't a believer, that's what he means by Gentiles. You do not trust in Christ. And so he's saying, you know, I testify, I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Well, then how do they walk? First of all, into verse 17, in the futility of their minds. Now, this does not mean that non-believers are unintelligent or not talented. Okay? Through common grace, God distributes intelligence and talents equally among, you know, different peoples. You just brought like a broadcast spreader. You just spread it out and it lands on whoever it lands on. That's, it, there's not a, like, believers are one thing, non-believers, no, 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 common grace, and so we are so thankful for the common grace that God has given to non-believers, some of whom are just brilliant, and they've invented things that are very helpful to 
humanity, the common grace of God that he has given to us. And so we are thankful for that. So it doesn't mean that they are unintelligent. But it ultimately, what, what Paul is ultimately getting at is that their life is futile. That it's pointless. I mean, Paul is hitting hard here. He's basically calling people outside of Christ. He's saying, hey, you are, you're the walking dead. Like you, Yes, you breathe, and yes, you walk around, and yes, you do things, but you're not really living. You don't understand what life is all about, that it's about Christ, not about you, not about your pleasures. It's about the glory of God. And without that understanding, they just live in the futility of their mind. No purpose. No meaning. It's all matter. You're just going to die and rot in the ground. Further, verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. Heart. They're darkened in their understanding. When was the last time you were in the dark? Like, legit dark. I mean, it, it, like at our house, even in our master bedroom, we'll, we'll you know, shut the 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 blinds and we'll pull the curtains or whatever but light still gets through there's a street light right so there's still light coming in but like real dark like absolute dark absolute dark probably the darkest thing i've ever experienced was down in the very bottoms of carlsbad cavern sarah's family's from there and her uncle had a good friend who was a park ranger so he took us on a special little walk back in there and we got to a place i mean there's no light whatsoever uh, except the lights that are lighting the walkway, and they turned them all off. I mean, th- you, couldn't, you couldn't see anything, right? That, that's the idea here. Like, you know what you see clearly in the dark? Nothing. You don't see anything clearly. And, and, and friends, outside of Christ, this is how you think. You, you don't think clearly. You don't think rightly. Your mind is darkened. And you don't see the wall that you're about to walk into. You don't see the cliff that you're about to step off of. The old self is darkened in its understanding. This is who we were. Alienated from the life of God. Okay, separated from Him. Why? Because God's mean? No. But because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Keep going. Verse 19. They have become Callous. Callous. This is what the hardness of heart is. It's a calloused heart. And so think about calluses with me for a minute. Like kids at home watching, look up here real quick. Give me good attention for a second. Next time you see Pastor Chad, ask him to show you the calluses on his fingertips. Because when you're playing the guitar, if you ever want to learn to play the guitar or something like that, with metal strings, you, you, when you first begin and you are you know, pressing those metal strings, you can only play for about five minutes before the, those fingertips start hurting. But if you'll keep with it, and you just keep going and keep going, day after day after day after day, <coughs> you begin developing calluses. Your skin gets hardened, and it doesn't hurt anymore. And while that's a good thing as it comes to playing the guitar and, and the other things, my grandfather picked so much cotton, he could, he could grab a wasp and 
squeeze it with his fingers, couldn't sting through his fingertips. And so while it's a good thing in, in ways like that, it's a bad thing when it comes to our heart, when it comes to our heart, because this is how sin works. Sin will callous our hearts. And so you give into a sin, you begin living in that sin or, or, or falling into it, maybe not living into it, but you begin engaging in that sin, and at first, it bothers you. But then over you begin to justify it. And you begin to, you know, well, God must be, God, God's actually probably okay with this. I mean, after all, he wants me to be happy. So I'm sure he's okay with this. No, God's not okay with it. He doesn't change. You've become calloused. Well, this is just how I am. Well, friend, that's not how you're supposed to be. Well, I need to be true to myself. That is always a bad idea. Our hearts are deceitful. We do not run after our hearts. We guard our hearts. And if you give in to just your desires or whatever, it's going to go bad and you're going to come to a place where, verse 19 again, the whole thing, they become callous and have given themselves up to their sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And so Paul's specifically calling out sexual sin here. And he very much is specifically of every kind, right? A lot of times we'll pigeonhole homosexuality, and that is a sin. But all sex outside of a monogamous heterosexual marriage is sin. Outside of a monogamous heterosexual marriage is sin. And Paul's specifically calling it out here. And now it, it's forgivable. It's forgivable, all of that, because of the cross of Christ. Don't live like that anymore. That's how non believers live. You now are a believer. Don't live like that anymore. And, and if you continue down that slippery slope of, of living in your darkened mind, you'll have an insatiable and hedonistic lust. For whatever pleases you. So it's, it's sexual, but not just sexual. Every kind of impurity. And so you'll lust after more power, more money, more security, more prestige. Things that aren't necessarily bad. But they're impure when they become idols. And hear me well on this. Idolatry leads to immorality. Every single time. Idolatry leads to immorality. It just does. And so left to ourselves, we are vile. And even though some may seem less vile, all are still in desperate need of Christ. And so all of this, futility in mind, darkened, alienated, calloused, given over to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. If you are a Christian, this is the old man. And Paul is saying, and now we go, number one in your notes, don't go back to your old clothes. Do not put those back on. <clears throat> You've been made new, so continuously put off 
the old man. Skip ahead to verse 22. Sorry, yeah, verse 22. <clears throat> to put off the to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. And it's corrupt through deceitful desires. Again, you're darkened in mind. You don't think right. Put off your old self. This belongs to your former manner of life. And so again, there's that one point in time where, yes, old man was put off, new man was put on. And positionally, that has happened. But then practically, we must daily be doing this. It takes discipline. A daily laying aside or putting off of the old garments. Because the old clothes, they're, they're so natural. They're so comfortable. I like them, right? A good pair of jeans or, or shoes or, or whatever. You know, you got a Snuggie that you wrap up in the wintertime. It's comfortable. I like it. Paul's saying, put it off. Don't go back to that. Even though it may be comfortable. Even though it may be natural. So natural, these old ways of life sometimes are that we don't even realize we're wearing them. Because so often we think that sin is just like what we do. And we forget that it's also what we think and how we do even good things. And so like David in Psalm 139, we need to pray, search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. We need to ask God to show us our sin because we're blind to it so often. That's the whole deal about, you know, log and speck. We don't see the sin in our own eyes. So we need to learn to be introspective and look at our own souls. Ask God to show us our sin. Open our eyes to our sin. Because straight up, I mean, if you are a Christian, you're to live differently than a non-Christian. We're to, we're to be different. And again, not just in morality, but, but in how we go about things. Means matter, not just ends. And so Christians are to be different. We are to be distinguishable and different from the world. We're not to be conformed to it, which means we are going to be, culturally speaking, out of place. We're going to be weird. We're going to be oddballs, and so we're going to be scorned, and we're going to be shunned. We're not going to be invited to things that other people are invited to. We're going to be made fun of. The world did this to Jesus, right? The world does this to his followers. It is just how it is. And so grow comfortable with that. Let's, let's embrace the weirdness of Christianity so that there is a distinction that can be seen. Because we should be different. We're to live different. We're not in the old man. That's our former manner of life. And so let's put that mess off. But you're like, Joe, I've blown it. My friends, there's good news. If you're broken over your sin, even right now, you're like, yes, I'm supposed to live this way, but I haven't been living this way. If you're broken over your sin, that's a good place to be. The Holy Spirit, this is, this is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And He's opening your eyes to the reality of, of a falsity you've been living in. A myth that you've been living in. And He's opening your eyes 
in love. See, Christians can very much fall into some of these habits and these characteristics that we've just talked about, the old man. That's why it's saying you must no longer walk. Like sometimes it happens. Sometimes you fall into those. But the difference is that a Christian is tender-hearted to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Like he feels, he or she feels bad. They, they feel the proper conviction over this. I know this is wrong, Lord. I, I want to change. I, I'm, not living, I'm not living the way you've called me to live. I'm not wearing the robes of righteousness you've clothed me with. And, it, and it's bothering me. Again, if that's you, that's a good place to live. That's the loving conviction of the Holy Spirit. Opening your eyes, bringing you to brokenness. And here's the good news. As Jared Wilson writes, God has not despised the brokenhearted. He is near to the brokenhearted. He binds them and restores them. He makes them like his son. And so no matter what pain or grief befalls you, no matter what ongoing repercussions of the sins of your past, no matter what charges or assaults that are brought against you properly, that are brought against you properly or improperly, Your heart can leap for joy knowing that 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake He made Him who knew no sin to be sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. And so friend, see, really see The same as you see so vividly and acutely and deeply your own pain and your own sins. See that God is totally and wholly for you in Christ. Of course he's totally and wholly for his own glory. But he's decided that his glory demands the restoration of all things. And if you trust Christ for salvation, this includes you. And me. And this means his son is your advocate. His son is, is your righteousness. The exchange has been made. Your ashes for his beauty. And so let us live with the mindset of the valley of vision. Keep me ever mindful of my natural state. But let me not forget my heavenly title or the grace that can deal with every sin. And so, friends, there's grace and there's forgiveness, but let's put off the old self. Don't go back to your old clothes, to your old self. Instead, and this is number two in your notes, continuously. It's a process. Continuously put on your new clothes, your new self. I'll go to verse 24. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay, to put on the new self created like you didn't create it, right? God created you new. He made you new. You were born again. 
And so put on the new self. Well, well how? how? How do you do that? Well, we'll look back at verse 20. He's given all this bad news about who we once were. And then verse 20, but, just like we get in chapter 4, but God. It's happened so often in Ephesians. Bad news, but good news. The good news, he starts talking about Jesus. We've got good news when Jesus enters the picture. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which, to, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And so how do you do this? Well, it's by renewing your mind. It's by learning about Christ, which means you have to be humble and willing to admit, I don't know everything that I need to know. And so to learn, you've got to have a teacher, teachers, right? Pastors, moms and dads, Sunday school teachers, right? So there's a learning aspect and there's a renewing of your mind aspect. Because left to our own like devices, our minds are what? Verse 18, darkened in their understanding. And so learning of Christ, he enters the picture. We learn of his life and his death and his resurrection, that he is a second member of the Trinity, entering into history through the Virgin Mary, born into this world, fully God, fully man, lived a perfect life in our place for our sins, died in our place for our sins. Well, he lived perfectly sinless, but then he died in our place for our sins, rose again in victory over sin and death, ascended into heaven, reigning and ruling right now in his session, seated at the right hand of the Father, coming again to bring into the world a kingdom that will never end, new heavens, new earth, no sin, no death, no more sorrow. We've got to learn of this. And as we learn of these things, as we renew our mind on the glory and grace of Jesus, that's light coming into our darkened minds continuously. Fighting back the darkness from creeping in. And so friends, understand, like I said earlier, this is a process. The Christian life is a process. There's a moment in time, yes, you go from death to life, from the old man to the new man. But then beginning to avail yourself to live in that is a process, a lifelong process. The big Bible word for it is sanctification. There's positional sanctification set apart and there's progressive sanctification becoming in practice what you are in position. And we must continually be reminding ourselves of like that we... We have the righteousness of Christ. We put on the new man. We, we slay the old man. We don't go back to those clothes. We don't go back to that manner of life. That's our former manner of life. We put on the new man. And again, it's created after the likeness of God, which means we don't weave this. God did. Our call is to wear it. We don't weave it. As Kent Hughes puts it, But we are to wear it. 
We are to daily appropriate what we already possess. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Christ Jesus before the foundations of the earth, that we be holy and blameless in love. He predestined us, right? All of that. We've been set free. We've been made alive. We're not slaves to sin anymore. Now Paul is saying that is true. That has happened. Now live it. Realize it's, it's yours. God doesn't give and take back. He's given this to you. Live it. Don't be, don't be foolish. You got the thousand dollar shopping spree. I gave you that. I gave you new clothes. Don't run back to your old one. And next week, we'll get into some specifics of how you live this out in very practical details. It's what Paul lays out in verses 25 through chapter 5, verse 2. But for today's takeaway, here's what I want you to begin doing. Every day, when you get up in the morning and you get dressed, right? I thought about talking about today, but most of you probably didn't get up and get dressed today. So we'll talk about tomorrow. You're in your PJs. I get it. But tomorrow, when you get up and you get dressed, I want you to think about and meditate on these verses. And when you take off your PJs, remember. It's like taking off the old man. And when you get dressed, remember. That's putting on the new man, the new woman. The new self. Think about that. Like practically. Take your PJs off. Old man's gone. Put your PJs. Not PJs. Put your work clothes. Play clothes. Whatever it is you're going to be wearing. New self. New person. I want you to remember the gospel basically. Because of Christ there's a new you. The old one's gone. You've been clothed. Like a uniform. I mean, think about uniforms for a minute, like airline pilots, right? My brother's been training for Delta, and uh, he sent me a photo. I mean, he looks ridiculous, but he's got the little, you know, giant hat, and, but it marks him off, like, that's a pilot, right? <clears throat> or a policeman. You see them in uniform. You know who that is. That is their identity. You can see it. They're identified by their uniform. Doctors and nurses, they're identified by their uniform, uh, the mechanic at the garage, you know, it, you know, it says Bob or whatever. You, you, they're identified by their uniform. People are identified by their uniform. Soldiers. Even like graduates and brides. And I know graduation's all funky this year. But that cap and gown is a uniform and it gives you a new identity and new responsibilities. A bride puts on that dress that, that gives her a new identity. She's now a bride. And new responsibilities as a bride. So it is with Christ. We have been given the uniform. And we have a new identity with that uniform. We are in Christ. And we have new responsibilities to live it out. And so remember, you've been given this uniform. And so tomorrow when you get up and you dress yourself, if you are a Christian, remind yourself that you have been clothed spiritually. Meaning that you are no longer guilty. You're forgiven. You're not hated. 
You're loved. You're not alienated. You've been reconciled. God's not against you. He's for you. Rehearse these things. Lay down that old man. These, put on the new man. He's not angry with you anymore. He loves you as you put that on. You don't have to pay God back. Jesus has paid it all. And you don't need to try and clean yourself up. You need to remember who Jesus is, what He's done, and now live it out. It's not a payback. It's a gracious call to walk in the newness of life. And so now, that wardrobe that you put on tomorrow morning, and every day for the rest of your life, wear it well into wherever life takes you. Don't run back to your old jankety clothes. Wear the new ones that you've been given in Christ, continuously putting them on. Let's pray together. Father, we praise you that you have woven a uniform for us. You have given us new life. You have made us a new creation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. We are new. And so, Father, help us to live like it. Father, help us when we are prone to run back to our comfortable old clothes. Do not go. To not go. To not give in. It's a fight. And when we do slip into that, Father, help us to hear and receive your loving conviction that we might repent and turn away again. Father, non-Christian is the one who doesn't repent. A Christian is the one who repents. A non-Christian lives carpe diem. A Christian lives coram deo in the face of God. And so, Father, help us to appropriate daily what we've already been given in possession. Newness of life. And we can't do it on our own. We need your strength, your power, your love. We need to remember your gospel that we've learned and are learning. We need to renew our mind. Help us with these things. For the praise of your glorious grace. And the good of our own souls. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, then as I said at the beginning, there's, there's not an old self and a new self. There's just an old self. Darkened in mind. Hardened of heart. Calloused. But friend, Jesus offers His grace to you freely. He says, Come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you before my burden is light and easy. You can have that transfer. He takes your sins. He gives you His righteousness because of His life and His death and His resurrection. So you just trust in Jesus. So if you've never trusted Jesus to be what makes you right before the Father, I invite you to do so today. Whatever platform you may be watching on, there are elders on there. They can respond. They can talk. 
There's also the connection card I told you about. You can fill that out, ask a question. We can talk about what it means to trust Christ, what it means to be a Christian, what it means to believe the gospel. Or if you need prayer, you, you're struggling with something, you want some, we're here to help. As a representative of the great helper. And so wherever you're at, as we sing this final song, truly surrender all.